welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Bro, are you ready for Penn State football? Because after a week off, we're going to get back to it with the Minutemen of Massachusetts. Yeah. I mean, that's about how long they're going to be in the game is how I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh, Bissy Elliott had, had the song One Minute Man. I hope that Penn State plays that over the speaker at least one time that'd during be, the game. That'd be terrific. It'd be a nice little troll. Um, yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, we've got uh, we got an episode today where we're going to have a couple of mailbag entries. In fact, not just two, three mailbag entries Holy this crap. week. It it's is uh, raining banner. mailbag questions. <laughs> it's Totally. Um, we are going to scout the UMass Minutemen. Um, that's Penn State's game this week. Um, and then we got Joel back for a by the numbers. It's been a couple weeks for him because of the bye week. By uh, the back. numbers. <laughs> As we uh, uh, get into it, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast, follow us, uh, share the podcast with your Penn State friends. Uh, let them know how much you care by sending them a Blue and White Brothers episode via text or email. They'll thank you for it. Uh, please write us a review. Give us a rating. Uh, we'd love to get an email from you for the mailbag, which is coming up right now. Mailbag time. Well, here we go. Um, and bro, I don't know if you've had a chance to preview these mailbag entries. But, no, I have um, not. Our first one comes from a young woman named Carolyn McSween. Tom, you might better know her as your sister. That's my sister. <laughs> and uh, I recognize that name. Care, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for writing in. Uh, yeah. She f- starts off by saying that she's loving that's a quote loving another season of the show uh and is she but, mocking the love is, is it like not no like, i, so I think it's sincere loving in quotations that's what she's doing because <laughs> no. you said a direct quote and i don't know if she's being like oh i really love I, i'm this just podcast. i was saying i'm not <laughs> paraphrasing <laughs> okay fine go um, ahead <laughs> and then this is i thought some interesting feedback i really like getting two episodes a week even if it ends up being the same listening time as one long episode, she likes getting them in two episodes. It's like getting to look forward to that second Twix bar. We have another course uh, coming up in your five-course meal <laughs> that will end at two courses. <laughs> um, and this question goes back to um, you know what we were talking about uh, with the schedule coming up in future years of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, we're well into the season now. Uh, and this past week, we talked about how great it is that uh, there's a chance to show our medal against teams like Ohio State and Michigan, so that by the end of the season, there's less speculation about what kind of team Penn State is, which got her thinking. And here's her question. What would your dream season game schedule be for next year's team? Would love to get your lineup. Meanwhile, enjoy the game. Let's go State. Okay. My dream schedule. Picture yeah. this, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, it would be to get Ohio State and Michigan both at home. That'll never happen. I mean, it might, maybe, in the future with the, how big this conference has been getting. Um, but having those two at home, to being able to beat them in front of our home audience, that's awesome. But, like, I mean, I was just saying in the last episode how cool it would be to see Oregon on Beaver Stadium field you know that that green beautiful grass with penn state's blue jerseys in a whiteout with oregon's alternate ridiculous whatever they're wearing (laughs) yeah you know i I mean that just there's so many teams that i'd love to see come play at beaver stadium just from like an optic standpoint and what it will do to to energize a crowd but dream dream for next year would be you know we we got Ohio State oh, do we have Ohio State next year we have them at home no. right no oh, we yeah, don't have yeah. at home we have no we have Ohio State. State at home we don't have Michigan on the schedule correct um so it would be having an Ohio State at home it would be going on the road to Washington in that beautiful um setting you know up there in Seattle and, and I'm going kind of out of order here whatever it is um it, it would be having like you know a pit at home. Uh, like this is just dream, like so we can beat yeah. Pitt on our home our home turf. So that's like, you know, and and I want to see USC at home. 
I want to see USC at home. You know, I, that I want to see that their colors in our stadium too. So, I, it would just be like having two marquee West Coast teams here, going to a marquee West Coast um, stadium like Washington, and having our our biggest rival Ohio State at home. Yeah, um, that sounds great to me. I actually our next year schedule isn't that far off, right? Uh, of that because we play Ohio State and Washington at home along with UCLA. Mm-hmm. And that's the Rose Bowl, we, by the way. Right? Well, no, that's no. I'm just saying, like when we do play them, that is the Rose Bowl. When we do go there, exactly. Yeah, yeah, That'll yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Um, and um, and then we go to USC. Now, I think of the four stadiums that I'm excited to go to. The Coliseum is the lowest. Agreed. Uh, uh, of those four. Agreed. Um, but um, yeah, it, I, I think you're right. You know, and by the way, we do get West Virginia, um, not at On home, but away. So it, it's actually and that's a, a pretty, that would be that would be a great travel. game. Game for Penn Staters because West Virginia is just next door. So close. And, and you know, th- th- like West Virginia puts together a good audience. They put together a good crowd. It's not bad. The the the, the backyard brawl there it gets rowdy for sure. Um, but Joel makes a good point here uh, on the chat, on the side. He goes, not playing Michigan next year at all makes it that much more important for us to beat them at home this year. I agree. I couldn't I agree, agree more. That, that if I was gonna, and we'll talk about it, you know, further down the road. If we, I wanted, if I had to pick, and Joel has posed this question before, if I had to pick losing one of the Ohio State or Michigan games, I choose losing the away game to losing the home game. I I want to beat Michigan at home in front of our crowd. I want to defend our home turf and humiliate Jim Harbaugh and humiliate his little golden revelation, J.J. McCarthy. I, I, I want to spoil their undefeated season at home, no doubt, because I think Ohio State's gettable even in the playoff by us if we have to like see them again, so to speak. If we get there, of course. All right. Yeah. Um. Just real quick, bro. Um. As we think about when are we going to get to see some of these cool West Coast stadiums? Uh. Twenty twenty five. We're at UCLA. Yeah. Uh. Twenty twenty six at Washington. Twenty twenty seven at Oregon. So we got to I mean, wait. I- Going to Oregon is also going to be great too. Yeah, Autzen yeah. Stadium is a, is like a bucket list go to kind of place. Just like Beaver Stadium is for a lot of people, Oregon Stadium is absolutely up there for sure. By the way, Oregon comes to Beaver Stadium in 2025, so that'll be a right, lot of fun. Right, and they'll they'll finally get to learn what like a real ruckus, you know, <laughs> crowd looks like. Because you know, Autzen Stadium, I don't think it holds. I think it holds like eighty thousand or something like that. I don't think it's anything crazy. You know, they went to the horseshoe a couple of years ago and beat Ohio State. So they've been in some hostile territory. Uh, Dude, it only back holds fifty four thousand people. Yeah, wow. We double that. We more than double that. Amazing. We, we had one hundred and ten for uh, Iowa. We had one hundred ten thousand plus. That's double what their capacity is. <laughs> and it's by the way, for I'm not taking anything away from their their stadium or taking anything away from their atmosphere. It is regarded as a top ten atmosphere over there, and they and and they get just as loud decibel level wise as some of the top stadiums out there. So again, bucket list stadium, stoked to go to some of these places. That's the most beautiful part about these teams coming into the Big Ten is going to these uh, you know other exciting venues. Yeah, thanks, Care, for that question. That's a lot of fun. Um, we'll look forward to seeing what that schedule shapes up like next year. Great question, Carolyn. Thanks for chiming in. We hope you uh, send some more questions in. I love you. I miss you. Next mailbag uh, item is from Shane Dowd. Hey, Shane, thanks for writing in again. Um, he's got uh, a comment and a question for us today. All right. Comment is um, related to our scoring tendencies. He says, if you exclude the Delaware game, in the first half of all Penn State games, we have a combined score of 50 to 24 against those opponents with only one touchdown in the first quarter. Hmm. Yet in the second half, again, excluding all the, uh, excluding Delaware, in the second half, Penn State has combined for a score of 90 to 17, fairly dominant. It feels like we have a second half team on our hands. Any comments on that, bro? We all remember the second half team. It's like the first. It felt like the first time in Penn State history we were like a wildly ridiculous second half only team back in 2016, and yeah. we were such an explosive team, winning those quote unquote 50-50 balls, which nobody actually thought they were 50-50 balls in the Penn State team. But 
you know, we were explosive along with that because we had to come back from being down. But that's not what's going on this year. We're we're not like losing by a lot in any of these second halves. We're just like, all right, are we like a second half adjustment team to like running away with it? Or are we like only a second half team um, offensively? Like, what, what? What do you? Is it a full team second half only? It's not, in my opinion. It's it's a it's a defense all game long, <laughs> and an offense second half game long. You know, whereas that 2016 team was like no defense and no offense in the first half. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. and a lot have to do with depth and coming out of the sanctions and injuries and um, and obviously the sheer need to pass for a lot of yards because we were down by 14, 20, whatever it was, points. Um, it does feel like it is correct to say we are a second-half team, but not from every level of the team. Yeah. Um, well, what are your thoughts you, on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I, I actually appreciate the comment because it kind of gives me hope going into the second half of the season that tells me we're a team that can adjust on the fly, um, even if we're – a team with some young leaders on offense um, that have a, have some struggles adjusting uh, in game, you know, in the first half. By the time you get to the locker room, make those adjustments. They come out playing a lot better in the second half. That that gives you I a mean, lot of hope. Two of those games were road 11 a.m. local time kickoffs. All right, yeah, yep. and like in a different time zone to travel to. Whereas the the noon kickoffs that we're going to have moving forward are like against Ohio State and Michigan. By the way, they just announced officially the Ohio State noon kickoff. Um, Great. Which we which we all assumed it was going to be anyways. Yeah. Big noon baloney, but but those are <laughs> those are going to be those are going to be twelve a.m. local time kickoffs in the Eastern time zone. So I, I do give um, you know a bit of credence to the the Central time zone eleven a.m. local kickoff road game. That's that has been a thing for teams by and large across college football history. That's been a tough like ask for the the, the road team. So you know and playing Ohio State. We're not going to treat them like Illinois, Illinois or um, Northwestern. We're going to treat them like freaking Ohio State, and we're going to come ready to play out of the gate in that game. And Michigan at home noon, psh, noon game at home, we'll be ready. We'll be ready for Michigan at home. So I'm not going to be thinking about, oh, are we only a first half, or are we only a second half team against those two opponents? With uh, you know, with thinking about, are we a second half team? No, I, I think that this team is going to move past that kind of threshold of of uh being prepared out of the gate i sure hope so um even if not though the fact that we can make those kinds of adjustments and come out um looking better in the second half i mean there have been a lot of close games around college football in the first half that one team took control in the second half and that's made a difference if penn state is able to do that yeah. even against these other two um dominant teams that'll that'll yep. be really really good um so shane also has a question for us and uh this gets into those two games that you're talking about he says um Oh, did I they, preface his question with some uh, you answers sure, already? <laughs> you sure did. He said, quote, I am extremely unenthusiastic about the three biggest Big Ten games being on Fox at noon this year, oh, by which yeah. he means Ohio State-Michigan, yeah. Michigan-Penn State, Ohio State-Penn State. He no, says, it's a I'm not sure I understand Fox's decision-making process and prioritizing non-playoff baseball. Of course, we're into the playoffs now, but even still. He says, my question... And it probably is obvious where I fall on this issue. Would you rather these matchups with Ohio State and Michigan be at night, or are you warming up to the noon kick? I am not warming up to the noon kick. I never will. Never will not warm up to the noon kick, either on the road or at home. I mean, the fact that we can't have a primetime game against our primetime opponents is absolutely ludicrous. And it sucks even more so that we are partnered with Fox. Our number one, like, Fox is, like, uh, Big Ten Network is, like, a subsidiary of Fox, essentially. Like, we are partnered with them, and there's, like, no feasible way to get out of this big noon kickoff situation other than Fox having a change, uh, a different, a di do they want to go in a different direction when it comes to, to these times? We, I hope we, uh, the athletic directors and the conference commissioner are they've gotta hammering this. They've got to exert some might back. They've got to exert some might back. Like, even for Ohio State to have that noon kickoff against us, they don't want that. They don't want a noon kickoff with Penn State. They want a 3.30 at worst kickoff for that game. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, but even better under the lights. Precisely. I mean, you know, uh, you know, he... 
uh, Shane, I skipped over a part of the question where he talks about viewership and, you know, you can't imagine that a number two versus a number six, Ohio State and Penn State, or a number three and six, that you're going to get less viewers than you will a prime time. A baseball playoff game. Well, just like, I mean, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's that Fox has overextended themselves in a lot of ways and, and that we are, that they care more about playoff baseball than they do care about regular season college football. You, are what, there really that, more viewers watching playoff baseball than there are watching these marquee Big Ten games? I don't have the answer to that. Maybe by next week, or maybe by the Ohio State game, we could like look at some numbers of 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 playoff games and, and you know noon kickoff games. Now, what I will say is a noon kickoff against Michigan and Ohio State will get plenty of eyeballs. I know that our Ohio State game. Yeah, well, they'll dominate that noon window for sure. No doubt. Well, they'll they might even dominate the 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 weekend in general. You know, the Iowa game didn't get great viewership because the Notre Dame and Ohio State game was on at the same time. Um, but up the upcoming Ohio State for us game that is, I don't think there's any competition. I think it's the biggest game of the weekend by I far. So. I think I it's the think only so. top. I think it's the only top ten matchup of the weekend. So no by matter the way, the time, no matter the time <laughs> slot, and no matter. Who else is in that time slot, and who other games are happening across all time slots? That that Penn State Ohio State game is going to be the most watched college football game that weekend, I believe. Speaking of big games, um, and like where teams are ranked, uh, you know, you've got Georgia as the number one team in the country for the SEC. What's the next ranked SEC team right now? Do you know that? Without looking it up, I'm just going to assume it's Ole Miss. No, it's Alabama, and then Ole Miss. Alabama at ranked number ten. 11. Oh, they're, ten, they're 11 this week? Okay. Outside yeah. of Georgia, the SEC has no other teams in the top 10. That's that's right, yeah. And Penn they have State no other, has and three they have no teams other, in the top yeah, we, six. We have three teams in the top six, three teams that are undefeated, um, and and uh, the SEC only has one team in the top 10, and no and other And we're getting teams hosed undefeated. by this Fox Big Noon kick garbage. Yeah, I don't and, like and, it. And, and the other thing is that the, 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 uh, the Pac-12 has four undefeated teams in the top 10. Yeah, well, they're hosed even more because they've got the Pac-12 network who's gobbling up these games. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and that's by the, the I I in years past I have never pirated a game before, um, and this year I've, I I had I had to watch that USC Arizona game on the Pac-12 network pirated because and I'm not condoning it. I you just, had to. I had to. I had to. <laughs> federal government. I had to. <laughs> the Pac-12 made me commit a federal crime. <laughs> <laughs> Any hoozle. Uh, Shane. Please stricken this from the records. <laughs> <laughs> thanks We're for this amazing question. Uh, we got. Shane, w- By the way, to, to put a bow on that, I hate the big noon kickoff. I, I'm not even a fan of Gus and 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 Joel anymore. Mostly because Fox has just succumbed and pa- pandered totally to the the prime time the prime. Coach Prime effect, mm. and it's 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 grow. I'm grown weary of it, and I'm it's gr- grown old. And and now here, Colorado is kind of barely in the top twenty five. They're not in the top twenty five, but they are getting a couple votes here and there. Um, or maybe they're not even. No, they're well out. They're done. Later, Colorado. Later, Coach. Um, but yeah, thanks for these questions, Shane. Hate the Fox noon kickoff. Hate it. Always <laughs> will. Last one is uh, from fan of the podcast, Rudy Glocker. Rudy, thanks for writing in. This is a pretty straightforward one, and it leads into our UMass preview. It's simply, do you think Penn State will finally have a rush of 25 yards or more this week? Yes. Period. (laughs) UMass. Is one in five or whatever they are. They're they're bad. We didn't get a 25-yard rush against Delaware. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I think we're, we're, we've moved along, uh, in our, I think I'll get more into that when we get to UMass. All right. Sounds good. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil my UMass, uh, content, if you will. So why don't we just move forward? Thanks for that question, Rudy. Yeah, by the I way, wish I had Rudy more says, for you, but I just believe that we will. <laughs> by the way, Rudy says that, uh, we can repeat this question until it happens. <laughs> okay. Well, so for what it's worth, the sad part is that our, our top, Two longest runs of the season are with our backup quarterback and our third string running back. All right. Yeah. So yeah. You know, and and only one of those was over 20 yards. And it was actually only one of them was was exactly 20 yards. And that was a Bo Prabula run. And then I think Trey Potts had a 19 yard run. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe so, I'm wrong on those stats. I apologize if I am, but that that's how it is basically. Yeah. So um, you have a Nick Singleton run. Nick Singleton run of 19 Nick yards. Singletron. Are we? Are we? Are they fusing? Are they? Are they becoming one? <laughs> Nick Singletron. I like it. Nick Singleton had an has a 19 yard run. Katron Allen has an 18 yard run. Right. Prabula has our longest of the season 21. at 21 yards. And 21. Trey, Trey yeah. Potts has a long of 20. He leads all okay. running backs. That's what. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know that was close. That was close. Ish. So. Um, anyway, yeah, so we can rinse and repeat that uh, question mm-hmm. until it mm-hmm. occurs. Uh, Rudy, thanks for asking. And um, let's turn our attention to that UMass game. Um, you know, I don't know how deep we're going to get into it because uh, UMass is a team uh, that is just um, – they don't bring a lot to the table right now. Um by the way, um, just some some general notes going into this game. Um, this is our third of three non-conference games. Um, it's going to be a 3.30 kickoff on the Big Ten Network. This is our homecoming game. Um, and I was, you know, kind of thinking about 3.30 games. Like, I could go up for the day, come back. Well, guess what? The weather is going to be in the 50s with a 50% chance of rain during the game. That kind really? of... Really? Yeah, yeah. Oy, I mean, oy, oy. hopefully, it doesn't look like a pouring rain, but just, you know, maybe not as pleasant an afternoon as you'd hope for a, a mid-October game. Um, UMass, um, interesting thing about UMass, they're the fifth oldest team in the FBS. That's so, right. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. You're the one who, who Told brought it you. to my attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were like, wait, weren't they an FCS team not too long ago? But uh, no, they've been an FBS a long time. They're just not that great. In fact, no. um, they, uh, they're no longer part of a conference. They're one of four FBS independents this year. Of course, Notre Dame is the, the most well-known of those. Um, the other two, bro, I challenged you to Guess what they were when we were uh, offline earlier. Um, do you remember who the other two uh, independents are? Well, no, yeah, we got Notre Dame, and then we got uh, Army. Yep. And then we have uh, <laughs> UConn. That's it. There we go. That's it. Our I just two? had to. I had to squeeze my eyes, squint them very. Uh, UConn. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, everybody forgets UConn when it comes to football, and just I mean, like how- UMass. How UMass, many UConn, Massachusetts and Connecticut, brothers yeah, right. in independence. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, you know, I mean, outside of Boston College, how many New England teams are there in the FBS? Is it just UMass, Boston College, and UConn? So, like two um, out of three are independent right now. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, yeah, once you get out of New York, um, well, like what Harvard? They're they're but, they, but they're not an FBS team. They're, they're not. not a, no, Harvard's yeah, not okay. FBS, are they? That's, they're FBS. Well, they they make a big deal about the, the Harvard <laughs> whatever game, Yale game, <laughs> right? Um, and I just forget that that's just FCS. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I guess they have no other. There's nothing else up that way. What are, we're right? Yeah, in football at least. You yeah, know? yeah. So um, anyway, they're independent. Um, they are not a great football team. Um, Why the heck is it that New England doesn't do football big? At least college question. football. They don't do. They do. They do basketball big. Yeah. They don't well, do college I, big. College I guess, football big. I'm sorry. I guess football it must big. be that Puritan influence. They're just, you know, they're too <laughs> nice. <laughs> Gosh darn Mayflower. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, anyway, um, by the way, do you know how many times Penn State has played the University of Massachusetts in football before? I'm going to guess uh, without actually knowing truly no, uh-huh. no concept. Uh, this will be our seventh time. You are incorrect. <laughs> uh, this is our second time playing. Uh, I knew it was low. I knew it uh-huh. was low. I, uh-huh. just, I just thought maybe like in the early 1900s, there was some overlap. And who, who was coaching the football team the last time Penn State played the University of Massachusetts Minutemen? Uh, Frank Gifford. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> James Franklin. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, who was coaching Penn State? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said who was coaching UMass. I'm sorry. I could have, I, whatever. <laughs> who cares? Frank Gifford, it is. And who was coaching UMass that year? I don't remember. Yeah, um, but uh, that, the was, that was actually um, James Franklin's first 
season at Penn State in 2014. Mm. Uh, Did we lose? <laughs> UMass was, no, no, he uh, blew them out. It was uh, 48 to 7, I think. Um, and it I'm was more of a joke of, of how bad we were back then. Actually, than, that than... was Franklin's fourth win of the season. We were 4 and 0 oh after that game. Oh, and then all the wheels came off. <laughs> and then all the wheels came off. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, why I, that's why I blocked that memory out of my memory is because yeah. the wheels came off and that was a forgotten season, even though we did end up winning a bowl game against another Massachusetts team, Boston College in the New York, not so New England, uh, <laughs> Pinstripe Bowl. <laughs> um, that Joel was at, by the way. Interesting. Um, by the way, um, Christian Hackenberg was our quarterback for that game. Who was our lead rusher? And we had 250 yards rushing yards that game. Who do you think was our lead rusher in that 2014 game against UMass? Zach Swinak. Akil Lynch, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy that left. Akil Lynch, by the way, left Penn State as soon as he as soon as Saquon Barkley stepped on campus. Not as soon, but like after his freshman year, he's like, I gotta get out of here. Like, I'm not gonna be able to hang with this dude, Saquon Barkley, because he was a beast from another, you know, mother. <laughs> well, anyway, that was uh that was nearly ten years ago. Um so you know, basically everyone uh, who is at that game is no longer around, with the exception of maybe James Franklin. Um, Not this maybe. year, he was this right. I mean, <laughs> he might be the only one. Yeah, <laughs> um, that that's still around from that game. Uh, University of Massachusetts. Um, their head coach is Don Brown. You might recognize that name, bro, from Michigan. Uh, he was their defensive coordinator for a couple of years. He was a great a DC for the for his first half of his stint. At Michigan. He really yeah, was. Yeah, and then things kind of, I think maybe the conference figured him out or his you know, personnel wasn't quite or as he, good. He, he didn't got, adapt along. Yeah, he didn't, he times. got let go. Um, so he um, went to UMass in the 2022 season. Um, that his, This is his second stint as the head coach of UMass. He was there from 2020, excuse me, 2004 to 2008. Um, he was also at Maryland for a few years, back in 2009, 2010, at the very end of uh, Ralph Friedgen's tenure. Um, Did he this, overlap with James Franklin there? Interesting question. I don't remember when James Franklin was at Maryland. What, what, but what were the years that... that... 2009, 2010. This is a... This is a, a a live stat update. We'll, yeah. we'll get yeah a response gonna, for that I, in a second. It, it, it's curious. It's curious to understand. So Franklin was at um, excuse me, was at Maryland from two thousand to two thousand four. Uh huh. So no, no and overlap. Then, and then two thousand eight to two thousand ten. Oh, so there was an overlap. Yeah. So he Don was the Brown, uh, he was the assistant head coach, the OC, and the quarterbacks coach for Maryland from 08 to two thousand ten. Yeah, so Don Brown would have been there at that same time, so they'll know each other. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting turn of events. I'm sure they have a friendly handshake before the game. In that case, I'm sure they were going against each other in practice all the time. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, well, um, let's just say their coaching careers have diverged wildly from that time because James Franklin's riding a five and zero record top six team. Meanwhile, UMass has only one win on the season to five losses. Their only win was to um, one of the legitimate worst teams in the country and uh, New Mexico State. Um, you know, that was their, their lone win. Um, they have lost to a bunch of teams, including some other not good teams, uh, New Mexico being one of them, Eastern Michigan being another one of them. They lost in a embarrassing fashion uh, to Auburn, who blew them out fifty nine to fourteen, um, and this An Auburn team that is not that great, by the way. Right. Um, this for me is probably the closest analogy um, because it's their only team, uh, only game against a Power Five team. Um, Auburn in that game scored on nine of thirteen possessions. They added a pick six as well. Um, UMass, for their part, they scored on their opening drive. It was actually a decent-looking long drive, and then they were shut out the rest of the way before scoring a late touchdown on a long pass play. Um, in that same game, uh, Massachusetts was moderately successful running the ball. They gained 140 yards on the day, 5.2 yard per carry average, but only 300 yards overall. They turned the ball over twice, including that pick six and a fumble. Um, you know, if that's any analogy to um, you know what kind of game we should expect. Uh, Penn State should feel pretty good about our 
prospects. Meanwhile, UMass has just, they've been a not great team for a little while. Their expectations going into the season, I got to say, uh, cannot have been all that uh, high and they're probably getting lower by the minute. Um, bro, as we think about the type of team we're going to face, um, I know you've taking a look at some of the the players that they've got. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about um, their quarterback and uh, what we might see on offense? Well, Andy, so for the last, uh, well, let's put it this way. They've, they've been rotating quarterbacks at, at um at Massachusetts this year, they started the season, um, and I, for you know, at this point, if you're a listener, how bad I am at pronouncing names. This quarterback that they have on their team, Taysen Fomachan, and it's either Fomachan or Fomacan. I don't know, and I'm sorry if I don't know and I get it wrong, but he is a. Georgia Tech transfer by way of a Clemson transfer. He was part of, I think, Clemson's 2019 recruiting class. He was a four-star quarterback. He was the number, I think, uh, six, number four, either the fourth-rated or sixth-rated quarterback in the 2019 class. Um, and when things were not going well at Clemson with DJ Ukulele, um, I, I I thought that Taysen Fomachan was going to potentially be their starter, but he ended up uh, getting injured and not being able to play and then transferred to Georgia Tech. I was actually thinking when... Um, in 2020-2021 time frame when Clifford was kind of having his dismal years, I was thinking Penn State should try and make a run at this guy um, because, you know, we needed a dynamic passer and and, and this guy was a, was a bit of an athlete and he's from Connecticut that Penn State was, I think, at least had him on his radar during his recruiting period. Uh, the kid's six four, 215 pounds, has junior eligibility right now. Uh, he started the season for them, lost games uh, against Toledo and Arkansas State. Then they made a switch to this other guy uh, who I don't know a ton about named Davis. Um, Davis did not look good for them. His name's Carlos Davis, by the way. Uh, he's Baltimore uh, Maryland uh, boy Andy, just for what it's worth. Um, but they, he lost. Davis ended him. up. Davis ended up losing um, three in a row. By the way, I said he lost games against Arkansas and Toledo. The uh, uh, Taysen Taysen started the season against New Mexico State. I was reading that backwards. So after Taysen's bad game against um, New Mexico State to open the season, um, in which they won. By the way. Then Davis came in, and um, uh, he had four straight games of losing. So they went back to Fomachan, um, and uh, he's he's been pl- he's been throwing the ball okay. Back to back performances of 270 yards. Um, he's has not really been much of a threat running the ball, even though he is an athletic guy. Uh, he is actually his his. Um, Rushing statistics are um, kind of on par with Drew Allers. About 80 yards and two touchdowns, about two and a half yards a clip. So not a monster threat from that standpoint. But uh, but he but he's he's kind of gotten some traction passing the ball in these last two games. And I I do believe he's going to be the guy that gets the uh, gets the chance to pass the ball for them against uh, you know Penn State and Beaver Stadium. Um, It'll be interesting to see him, what he's capable of doing against some higher level defensive competition. I bet it's not going to be much. Um, he does not appear to have any you know, receivers that jump off the page too much, although he has, does have a favorite in uh, a guy named um, Anthony Simpson, who right now has 33 catches, 566 yards, and three touchdowns, averaging about 17.2. So we'll need to keep an eye uh, on, on him. Number eight, by the way, for you people that are going to be watching on Saturday. Um, and then they got a guy running the ball who, who's, uh, you know, he, he's certainly like, he looks the part 130 carries 661 yards, six touchdowns, 5.1 yard average. So they got some guys that have been able to move the ball for them. But again, against lesser competition, you, you just never know until they get up against a, a defense like Penn states. And, and um, so, but these are guys that I think, feel like they have some um you know momentum with with their abilities that you, you just as a Penn State team you really just hope you can punch them in the mouth and keep them down you know you know it, it is interesting you look at this team um offensively they're not awful um passing right. yards are 53rd nationally rush yards 88th uh points scored 86th um and they have not been shut out all season 
Right. Um, and in fact, a, a couple of these games against Eastern Michigan, uh, against New Mexico, they were very close games. They were within a couple of points, um, you know, in their win against New Mexico State, they put up 41 points. And in some of their losses, um, you know, 28, 31 points. So, so they have an offense that can score. They, they, Got two touchdowns against Auburn, for that matter. Now, have they faced defense like Penn State? Probably not. But, you know, this seems like a competent offense, even if you don't have guys that are, like, jumping off the page. It does seem, however, defensively uh, is where they've got some real struggles. And you start off by looking at um, the number of points they've allowed on the season defensively, bro. Um, 39.4 points per game. That's the average points they've allowed. And that's good enough for 132nd nationally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's there are 133 teams in the FBS. They're the second to worst team in terms of of letting teams score on them. By the way, that 39.4 points per game, that's just under Penn State's average offensive score of 40.6. So, you know, our consistent push the ball down the field, uh, you know, playing bully ball, holding onto the ball, you'd expect that we're going to be able to get some, uh, I don't know about explosive plays, but you can expect we're going to be able to run our offense effectively against this defense. Hey, I just want to say, I kind of made a mistake um, with, with with how I outlined how Tyson, Tyson, uh, Fomachan, you know, lost his starting job. I said they benched him after the first game. They didn't. They actually benched him during their second game against Auburn, and it was because, ah. is because he was basically not capable of. You know, they they had an early touchdown on their first drive with him, and then moving forward, it was just an onslaught by Auburn and what was, by the way, a, a record uh, breaking crowd for, uh, for um, Hugh Freeze's first game at home with Auburn. So. Uh, at the at the you know to to the UMass's dismay, Auburn's you know first game with Hugh Freeze at home was a dismantling of the Minutemen and a dismantling of Taysen Fomachan's um, starting quarterback reign uh, for the UMass. They benched him in the game and then the backup uh, got a a touchdown to. Uh, you know, towards the end of the game to at least make it a 52 to 14 game at the time. And then they roll with that, that guy, uh, Anthony Davis moving forward because they just wanted to see what they had behind, um, Taysan. But now then Davis floundered, um, after a long losing streak and, and here, uh, here we have Taysan Fomachon back. And, and so it's kind of like, uh, we're getting, um, you know, the flip flopping, uh, results, of their quarterback, you know, struggles happening before our very eyes in, fr- at a, in front of a Beaver Stadium crowd this weekend. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, I think that's helpful. You don't want to uh, misrepresent what, you know, this quarterback's done and, and, yeah. and can do. But uh, I think the larger point is the same is that, you know, sure. their, their offense, um, while they've done some good things, nonetheless, um, you know, when it comes to a major power five, uh, defense. It doesn't look like they've they've got what it takes. No. Um, you know, and then well, and let know. me out, let me illustrate. Well, you know, the offense. Yeah, so they 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 haven't been able to be on the field a lot, but but the deep and the defense has been on the field a lot for the Minutemen and. Dude, just to outline kind of like the difference between what Penn State as a defense is and what 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 Delaware or excuse me not Delaware uh, UMass is as a team is. UMass has had 437 team tackles to Penn State's 235, okay? So that defense is going to be out on the field a lot because their offense can't hold on to the ball. And our our offense is getting, staying on the field for long periods of time. This just feels like a type of team that is not going to be able to withstand anything that we throw at them. Yeah, I mean, they've given up 230 230- uh, two passing yards per game. They've given up 221 rush yards per game. You know, that's nearly 500 yards per game uh, of offense given up. Um, as you said before the podcast, bro, they're a very balanced defense in how many yeah. <laughs> how many yards they're giving balanced, up. balanced, terrible defense. <laughs> they'll, they'll let you have it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, so this could be a chance for our offense to kind of get themselves right. And, and that goes back to that mailbag question where, um, you know, or you have some confidence that we're going to get that 25 yard rush this game. Right. Um, it, this looks like a defense. It's not going to, 
put up a lot of resistance against a, a high-powered offense. Yeah. Um, I, I think the bigger question is, um, can we have a, a solid defensive performance and you know get the same level of three and outs that we've been getting and um, give our offense a lot of time to work with the ball? I'd really love to see that. Yeah, same, obviously. Um, and, and, and one of the... <laughs> This is the best part about, you know, getting right against a team like UMass, at least, you know, from a point scoring perspective, from a, you know, offensive, you know, juggernaut perspective. This defense for UMass is giving up 39.4 points per game. They are they are allowing as many points per game as we are averaging. And and on top of that, <laughs> for what it's worth, the um the point total or the, the the spread, so to speak, for for the Penn State UMass game is Penn State minus forty three. So they're Yikes. basically saying that we could blow them out by you know forty three points, and and that's that's like that's like what we're scoring on average for the year <laughs> and they, they think we're going to beat them by that much yeah so wow yikes uh umass uh, you're probably in for a long long day against yeah. the lines yeah i mean i guess as a as a penn state fan you hope they're in for a long day because if it's an no, exciting game you know some something something's gone significantly wrong i i think look another way to, to slice this uh pie is that um do you know the last time that UMass has won more than one game in a season? What year? Holy crap. The fact that you're just even asking this question, <laughs> it bodes poorly for them as a as a program. 2018 was the last time they 2018 won, was the last time they've won more than one game in a season. Uh What? Yeah, dude, they, you, dude, if if they don't if they only <laughs> win one game a, a season again this year, I think that Don Brown should just go back to coaching baseball. He actually coached b- college baseball <laughs> back in 1992, and oh, man. In, in like what was a, a kind of like Ivy League Patriot League uh, mix mismatch of uh, or, or, or hodgepodge of teams. Th- this is uh, like just hang it up, Don. If you can't score more than one, you know, see one game a season, this is. And by the way, I think they were even threatening to drop the football program in general a couple years ago, if I remember correctly, and I maybe I'm not. That but may, that may have been feels- UConn, but um, yeah, it, it, it's it's. Why you know, did we I, schedule UMass? I don't know. Maybe because Don Brown and James Franklin are friends. Why is this in the p- middle of the season? <laughs> well, you know, which gets me to my question. Uh, you know, as we as we kind of wrap this up. Um, is this anything more than a scrimmage other than the fact that it actually counts for the record? No way. It's more than a scrimmage. (laughs) And if that's the case, what are we hoping to get out of it? As we think about, you know, the biggest game of the season to this point, probably in all of college football on the heels of this game, what are we hoping to get out of this game against UMass? Okay. The the big honest, and I've, I've thought this for a couple of weeks now. Um, the biggest thing that we're going to get out of this is our backups getting playing time and our starters getting healthy. That's that's re- you really just want to see Drew Allar, ah, Drew Aller, Coach, <laughs> and and Nick Singletron. Um, now you really want to see you really want to see our starter, our starting offense, like handle business and actually show that they can get some explosive plays. You really want to see that so that then when it's, you know, 35 to nothing early in the third quarter, you can actually have a a real designed passing attack momentum for Bo Perbula. That's what you like. You want to get that out of this, and you want to keep your starters healthy, and you want to get guys that are dinged up, like Harrison Wallace and Omari Evans and JB Walton, and possibly Katron Allen, who we don't even know um, uh, if those guys are um, yeah still dinged up or not. No word. We'll find out like the morning of the game, like if if uh, Katron's able to go, if JB's able to go. Um, But this is this is a get healthy game and a get right game for like. Things that you want to see short up from you know going into the Ohio State game. You don't want to take any injuries. Knock on wood. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you. Um, you know, you want to come out of this game healthy. You want to come out of this. It's game a scrimmage. It's a scrimmage, w- man. With it's a, a it's lot a of reps exhibition. for for your um, second and third string players. 
I think, you know, beyond that, I want to see our passing game in rhythm and I want to see yeah. our run game, including like the the blocking and and hitting your gaps. You you want to see that working well. Um I I, to me, the the long passes and long runs, I, I, it's less about getting a monkey off your back, and it's more of like a sign that you're finding a rhythm and things are clicking in a way that they should be. If we don't see the explosive plays this game, I'm not necessarily terribly concerned because, um, like you said, we're going to bring a different level of focus, uh, a different level of preparation to Ohio Probably State. Probably a different game plan in general to, to Ohio State. But I, I do... If we do see it, and I do hope we see it, it'll be more a sign that maybe we've taken a step during the bye week to, <laughs> to you know, kind of get that kind of uh, efficiency together, that get that kind of click on the offense, the flow that we well, have really this, seen. Let's put it this way, Eddie. This is the last game we have to not show Ohio State what we're holding behind our our, our hand here. You know? Do you really think we've been holding I, I don't back? know. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. I truthfully... It's, it's, some comments from Mike Yurcich in the uh, off season, uh, off season in the bye week, um, indicated that you know it's really been poor execution on the part of the offense, and not that you know we're holding stuff back. Now maybe he still is holding stuff back, but he seemed to think that the lack of um, lack of explosive plays was really not because we hadn't given those opportunities in the playbook. It's just because the execution wasn't there on the field. So. Do you Drew, think there's Drew some Aller, Drew Aller I, in the game that we're going to no, throw? It's still, yeah, no, I do think be... we're holding some stuff back. Yes, I do think yeah. we're definitely holding some stuff back. But I, uh, but at the same exact time, like Drew had mentioned that we're this close on executing on some of these plays. We're just we are this far away. In, you know, it's a game of inches, and we're inches away from some of these big plays exploding. So, so I, I'm not like. I'm not like super worried. It's a concern, but I'm not super worried. But but what I do think we need to see from from a that's that's discussing passing game by the way. Yeah. When I when it comes to the running game, I I do think we need to see better blocking from the tight ends and the wide receivers. Um and and I do think we need to see Nick Singleton just finally pop one to get to to like get some gain some confidence and gain some uh, confidence that he can ba- like bounce it outside when he feels that, that that it's not there in the middle because he just is running into the line without any holes and like last year's Singleton was bouncing that crap outside you know um, so yeah, yeah it, it seems like there have been some occasions where the running backs are missing an obvious hole they're they're running into the backs of their blockers instead of sliding over into the hole that's been created or like you said failing to bounce it outside when they could uh, yeah like I think your assessment that he's maybe just playing a little bit tight um, that, that could be accurate uh, and I think getting a long run or two for him or you know maybe even it's like for, a hitter in a slump just needs to just finally yeah. get, a, get a home run it's mm-hmm. the exact same thing just once get out that of the happens gifts. once it happens I think it'll he'll start playing looser and be like whoo you know like thank heavens that's how it happens to these sluggers man that's a that's a, he's a home run hitter well let's um let's close up this episode by bringing joel bettner in um so he can help us take these theoretical ideas and put them uh to the test of some hard and fast numbers so uh joel why don't you come in and join us for by the numbers Not alert. by the numbers Nerd alert! By the numbers! Nerd alert! By the numbers! Nerd alert! <laughs> well, Andy, Joel, Andy, why don't you just add one more? Add one more nerd alert to that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I appreciate your suggestion. Uh, we'll take it under advisement. <laughs> Joel, I got I a chance to ask Tom how he was doing uh, with the bye week. What did he do and did he enjoy it? Uh, same question for you. Did you enjoy your bye week uh, without Penn State football? I did. Valley bye week? I actually had the, the opportunity to I led a group of guys from our church up to uh, Yellowstone to do some some stuff up there. And I was I was glad that it was a bye week. I, I, did, I did let them know that, hey, if, if this had been a... Uh, if this had been a game week, I'd have found a way to watch. Don't you worry. But uh, <laughs> we're just gonna stick around Lake Jenny here. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your satellite phone so you can dial in the uh, Penn State game. Yeah. Um, yeah well, um, that sounds man. Uh, 
can't think of a better way to spend the off week than uh, traipsing around the national parks. So good for you, man. Yeah, it was, it was a beautiful, jealous. beautiful weather. We've got uh, kind of peak colors here right now as well. So it's uh, winter is on its way. <laughs> well, here in uh, the Mid-Atlantic, uh, the leaves are only just starting and beginning to turn. We had our first night where the temperatures dipped into the low 40s over the weekend. So um, just a little hint of fall, but we got a long ways to go. Um, speaking of a long ways to go, it's a long season, and um, we are picking up the by the numbers pattern of Who, how we're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, Who's let's, the better person in this world? Well, <laughs> We're going to boil it down. Take us back to how things are actually going in our record by the number, Joel. Andy, you're you're firing up a a 3-0 against Tom. Uh, Tom, Tom's been struggling. But this is let's see if this was his week to get off the schneid. Um, I'm the winner. So I'm always the winner, even when I lose. (laughs) First question that I asked you guys last time is how many points will Penn State score in the fourth quarter against Northwestern? Andy, you answered 14. Tom, you answered seven. Andy, right on the money with 14. Dang yeah. it. Yes. The next question I asked was, how many points will Penn State give up in the fourth quarter against Northwestern? Andy, you said three. Tom went with the $1 Bob answer of four. But <laughs> exactly three points were, uh, were scored. Yes. Andy, taking, yes. taking the early lead. Then, who will have Penn State's longest rush? And it was Singleton with a rush of uh, only 16. Andy, you said Trey Potts. Tom, oh, on man. the board, on the board, saying Singleton. Oh, man. Andy Trey was Potts cool. Trey a- Potts did have a long run, but, but, but Singleton did have the longest. He did. Well, if you count the yards through the end zone, he did run for longer <laughs> than 13 running. yards. Yeah, but, <laughs> Tom Hanks style from... From a, a gump, Forrest Gump. <laughs> but didn't he have the longest pass of the day? Does that count for anything? Yeah, you only went with Rush. Only Rush. Ah. So then it was, how many first downs will Northwestern get? Andy, you guessed seven. Tom, you went with eight. And this time, your, your $1 Bob paid off, Tom. Northwestern got 12 first downs, which is a little bit disappointing uh, after the... Uh, very disappointed. <laughs> it should have been exactly eight. So now we are we are all knotted up. Oh, man. At, oh, at no. Two and two, which brings us to okay. our tiebreaker. Okay. All right. Which was the, the game score. Oh, and gosh, you guessed... <laughs> well, the, the game score was 41 to 13. Andy, you guessed 38 nothing. Tom, 42 to seven. Tom... On the oh, board. I am the winner. On the board. I am the winner. <laughs> and I, Won't I, shut I, me out. I, I got my one-minute man, one win of the year. <laughs> I'm not the I, worst. I got to say, when I was watching the game, I was so terribly disappointed when they gave up their first touchdown. Yeah. Uh, well, no, actually, the, the, the field goal on the first you know, yeah, first drive, drive of the, the game fumble. after the turnover. Yeah. I was like, "There goes my shutout that I yeah. predicted." Yeah, <sighs> what well, a loser. I was, I was yeah. particularly disappointed with the the first turnover of the year. That was, yeah, that was upsetting. But you'd like to think that Nick Singleton could shake the dust after, like, you know, having a bad game, several bad games as far as you know yards, and then having that fumble right out of the gate. Like, that's just not acceptable from your. Yeah, you know, obviously a star running back, and he's not playing. I hope he park. comes out like a man on fire. Yeah, that would be so awesome. This this game uh, against against UMass is all it's it's a tune up. We're going to the mechanic here. We're going to try to see what we what we can do, and that's kind of led to the the questions I've got for you this week. Um, now, who, who's going to be our uh, who's who's going first? I think uh, I'm up first because Tom had first last well, time. That, that's a likely thing for you to say. Well, <laughs> doesn't matter to me. Cheater. One one thing that we have been dominating that we I mean we we had the advantage but not a domination, but is our time of possession. Um and uh Andy, what will Penn State's time of possession be against the Minutemen? Mm, what an excellent question. Uh I am gonna go thirty nine minutes and fifty eight seconds. 39. Whoa. I'm glad I'm glad you just answered that question like an absolute moron. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Maybe I misunderstood it. Man, I'm the moron. You said Penn State's or the Minuteman? Penn State's time of possession. Okay, 39. I was like, the Minuteman. Well, They're going to have it for one minute. Well, so here's <laughs> Obviously 59 
59 Penn State. <laughs> you mess one mess on the nose. <laughs> All right, so 39. You went down to the second, huh? Okay. Um, I. I, you know, that's uh, ironically. I was thinking that they, that they would have it for about twenty minutes. So that 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 sucks. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna just go barely over. What what was his thirty nine? What thirty nine fifty eight? Thirty nine fifty nine. Thirty nine fifty nine. It is. He's got. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I was thinking twenty on the dot. I right, know, Tom. It is. That's me. I'm Tom. Right now, the spread is 42 and a half, and it is difficult to win against any team by that much. Um, Correct. So, do you think we will actually cover the 42 and a half point spread? Will we continue our streak of covering? So, wait, this is just a yes or no question. This is just a yes or no. Yes or no? Yep. You guys can both answer the same if you like. We always have tiebreakers. Oh, man. Ugh. No. I want to say yes for the record. I'm going to say yes. Perfect. What an idiot. I suckered him into that. <laughs> now, the, uh, the, uh, I saw something recently that, that there, there are a lot of people think that James Franklin is very well aware of the point spread and he goes for beating mm. the point spread. So that's why I, I thought that was an interesting question. You So do, the question is to you, do you think James Franklin is trying to beat the point spread? I think he is. I think he knows what it is, and I think it, he knows that it will help with his his job to have those sorts of t- statistics. It will help with uh, recruiting to have those sorts of statistics. So I, I think he's very well aware of the point spread, and I think that if he is close to it, he is going to do whatever he can to get okay, it. Okay, okay. I, I don't know if I agree. I'm not saying I don't agree. I just don't know if I can agree. Cool. Um, my question back to you one more time now is, before we get to the rest of your by the numbers, is do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I'm, I'm neutral on it. I I think it's I think it's fine. I just uh, Andy, I, do I, you think it is a good or bad thing? I, I would be a little concerned if Franklin was actively trying to beat the spread um, just because of, uh, and I hear what Joel's saying, you know, that it it impacts recruiting, it impacts the standing in the polls, but I really don't like the influence that gambling has on college football these days. And I would really, I would really hate it if a, uh, they sponsor coach. every publication. They sponsor all the podcasts. They sponsor like everything. The, FanDuel's like the number one like uh, partner with like the yeah. NFL. Yeah, I, there are all like kinds that. of problems with that for me. Not only just from a, a moral standpoint, but from an integrity of the game standpoint. Right. Yeah. So you know, it would it would be troublesome for me if uh, a Penn State coach were actively engaged in trying to. You know, effectively manipulate you know the, the gambling world um, actively, consciously. Well, see, I don't. Well, I don't. Think I think it's less about he's trying affecting to... the gambling world. I think it's more about yeah. like, he can point to that saying, "Look, we were yeah. predicted to win by this, and we did. We did our job, and we were predicted I to get lose." Andy's point say, is, it's a byproduct. Yeah, is I, that he is you might say he might be using that as a benchmark, but in effect, what you're doing is actively moving millions of dollars from uh, hundreds of million dollars from one set of pockets to another set of pockets by doing that. And even I just, if I think unintentionally as being the, it, yeah. it's like the non-primary goal. It is still. Yeah. And even if happening. you're not like actively in bed with a bookie, but like, I, I'm a little neutral on it. Just like Joel is. I, I do see the, the possible pitfalls of, of it being a consistently happening thing. Um, so yeah, it was something to keep an eye on. And Andy said yes, and I said no. So as far as covering the spread, let's let's keep this ball rolling. Yeah. All right. So then I want to I want to see a big game out of Aller, but I don't know how much he's actually going to be in the game. Right. So do you think yep. that Aller yep. will pass for more than three hundred yards, Andy? It's you. Has he passed for more than three hundred yards yet in his career? W- one one game, three twenty five in the opening game against uh, West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have 325 this game. I don't think he's going to have more than 300 in this game. So I'm a no. Locking Hmm. it in. Hmm. Interesting. Really interesting. So for what it's worth, um, (laughs) you know, as I said, UMass is the second worst defense when it comes to points per game against. 
they are allowing 453 total. All right. So if we just, and they're allowing 232 passing per game. So, and if, if Drew is only going to be out there for maybe two and a half quarters, is he going to get 300? No, I also agree. He will not. All right. And then for fun, do we want to predict what that number is just for fun on the side? Yeah, go for it. No. Okay. Uh, and he doesn't want to. I'll yeah. do it. Uh, 242 yards. I predict 241 yards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How many touchdowns? I, I'm going to say three passing touchdowns. Uh, four. Aha, uh-huh, now we go. That's that's the tiebreaker right there. If Joel wants to make it that, at least. I, I think I will make an exception and allow that to be our tiebreaker if we need it. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, How many? Change my answer now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel good. I feel good about it. All right. How many yards will the longest rush for a Penn State running back be? Penn State running back, gotcha. Has to be a running back. Tom, you're first. Up. I get to go first. Yep, go for it. Um, since I have the favorite child in our family, um, I <laughs> you're your own favorite child. I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. Um, <laughs> I am going to say that our longest rush will be 52 yards. No way. That was literally the number I had. In my head. <laughs> 100%. That's amazing. No doubt. Um, well, then it's going to be easy to pick one way or the other. Yeah, I'm going to say 53. Ooh, he's going the optimistic. 53 yards. I almost said 80. I was thinking 80. My first thought was 76. I was like, no, I got to. But will we ever have the ball in that sort of bad field position? Right. Um, The the kickoff of of whatever. One kickoff. Half, yeah. Um, How many turnovers will the Penn State defense get? Hmm. That's a good question. We only got we only got one against Northwestern. I was expecting more. They had they had a good game, but I was expecting more out of the defense with tur- in, in the turnover margin there. But uh, yeah, right. I'm going to say three. Hmm. Well, these quarterbacks for this other team, the UMass, these two. I don't know if we're going to see both or just Taysen and Fomachan. Um, the combined between them, they have uh, thrown six interceptions so far, about one per game. Yeah. So I am inclined to believe that at least two interceptions will come. And it, Andy, how many turnovers did you say? Three. Three total. Yep. Then I'm going to say we're going to have three interceptions and one fumble recovery. Wow. Wow. It's a big deal. I mean, we've, we've had a lot of turnovers uh, this already this season, right? We had five against Illinois and four against Iowa. Iowa. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's a big day. I, I, I'd love to see it. All right. I've got your four, answers locked three in. Three and four. Got your answers right. locked in, boys. It's time for your game predictions. Mm-hmm. Let's hear those scores. So gun. Andy gets to go first. No, 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 Tom. Uh, no, no, I, I do, I do. I apologize, I apologize. I will go first. Um, we are going to beat them. Oh, I also said that we are not going to cover the spread. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a gun. I'm... <laughs> I've ruined myself here. You don't have to have. You can you can hedge. You know you don't have to have, have to. internally contradictory have to answers. I, I thought about that question in a in a vacuum, and now I'm thinking about this question in a vacuum, and I have to go with my gut here. All right. So, and in, in my prediction, I am we're covering the spread. All right, we're gonna win fifty-eight to nothing. Fifty-eight. Dang. No. Okay. All right, I've, I've I've hoovered your your in a vacuum, right onto your your prediction. <laughs> hoovered, <laughs> Andy. What do you got? Yeah, um, I would really love the shutout. Um, I'm I'm guessing that that we might lose focus at some point. Um, I'm gonna say fifty nine to ten. Fifty nine ten locked in. And ready for ready for a Saturday back to Penn State football, boys. You know, I'll be glad to watch a Penn State football game again after the week off. Um, I will be looking for a couple of things, but I, I'm really looking forward to the Big Ten East slate and that Ohio State game. Boy, uh, this is just appetizers for me. 
Yeah, obviously. This is a this is an exhibition game. This is a, a scrimmage. This is just uh, seeing what we can do to have a little fun before Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. And thanks, Joel, for coming in and helping us to make it interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, this and, was a fun uh, one today. We'll uh, talk to you next week for another By the Numbers. Until then, have a great week, Joel. Will do, boys. We'll talk to you soon. All right, bro. Well, um, boy, oh boy, I sure hope that uh, there really is nothing terribly interesting going on in the UMass game this week, other than the question of which of us is going to be closer in our game prediction. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it should be another interesting week of college football and uh, just a prelude to that clash of titans coming up and uh, in, in just over a week now. That'll do it for us today, guys. I want to remind you to subscribe, share with your friends, write a review, give us a rating, send us an email so we can hear that mailbag bell ring, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. And by this time next week, we are going to be in full Ohio State mode. But until then, bro, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 